The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is August Turek. Uh, He is an entrepreneur, corporate executive, a writer, and the author of a new book we'll be discussing today, which is called Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. Welcome to the show, August. Thank you for having me. Let's just start with your background before we get to the Trappist Monks and and, uh, kind of what what your path has been before you wrote this book. Well, um... I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, went to the University of Pittsburgh, um, went into sales with 3M business products, had a tremendous stint when I ran into Louis R. Mobley, who was the founder of the IBM Executive School, and I became his protege in the late 70s. And then I ended up in New York, where I started working for a a small company that turned out uh, being MTV in 1981, and I went on to the Arts and Entertainment Network. And I came to North Carolina and worked with some software companies down here, and then eventually I started my own company in uh, 1993 and built it up and sold it to an Israeli company in 2000. What what kind of company was that that you sold to the Israelis? It was called Raleigh Group International, and it was a software developer tools business, a technology business. Actually, we had two companies, um, but um, that was what we did, developers' tools. And then what happened after you sold the business? Well, when I sold the business, um, the first thing I did was go away to study theology. At uh, Well, I had to put in a couple of years, golden handcuffs type stuff. But after that, I went away to study theology at St. John's University up in Minnesota, um, at the behest of the abbot of Metkin Abbey, actually, to suggest that I should do that. And um, then after that, I ended up winning the Templeton Prize. I, I found out about this contest for... Uh, an essay, 3,500 words or less on what is the meaning of life. And I wrote a story called uh, Brother John. It was the Templeton Foundation's Power of Purpose Essay Contest. And I wrote this uh, article um, and won the award. I won $100,000 in grand prize for that. And then a couple of years later, I don't know exactly remember why I did it, but I sat down and over a weekend I wrote this, uh, what I considered a white paper on why Trappist monks are so darn good at business, and it found its way to Forbes, and uh, the leadership editor called me and asked if he could publish it on Forbes.com. It was fabulously successful, and he was the one that suggested I turn it into a book, and Columbia uh, uh, Business School Publishing uh, has published the, the book, and so the rest is history, as they say. Okay, very good. Uh, and before I'm going to become a uh, ongoing um, contributor on Forbes. I write on leadership issues for Forbes um, more or less weekly. Very good. Um, people may have heard a little bit about Trappist monks, but tell us kind of what is the basis of uh, how the Trappist monks live and what, what their credo is. Well, back in uh, by 500 uh, A.D., uh, St. Benedict uh, really invented the whole uh, monastic way of life and created what's called the Rule of St. Benedict. Um, the Trappists are actually called the order of Cistercians of the strict observance. They were a reform movement by 1100 or 1000 A.D. Um, they considered that the Benedictines had gotten a little bit too fat and happy, so uh, they reformed and went back to the rugged um, roots of monasticism. Now, the reason they're called Trappists is because in the 1800s, um, the monastery of La Trappe in France actually reformed the order again and went back to the rugged roots, and, uh, and most of the monasteries here in the United States are what are called daughter houses of La Trappe. So they were foundations that came, that some, some originally some monks from uh, France came to America. And uh, so the Trappists are uh, known down through history as um, the silent ones. They're the ones that didn't speak until uh, after Vatican II, and now they still don't speak a lot. 
So this would not normally be the place people would look for for inspiration about business leadership. Uh, what did you see uh, in them? We'll get into the details of it, but overall, what did you see in them as a role model that, that people could learn how to be better business people? Well, I've been spending, I go down there as a, to, it's called Metkin Abbey Monastery. It's outside of Charleston, South Carolina. I've been going there since 1996 as what is called a monastic guest, which means I live and work. I actually wear a habit, and I'm basically a temporary monk, and I live with them. And because of my business background, I couldn't help but look around and say, wait a second, these guys are about 70 years old. There's only about 20 of them, the average age of about 70. They work four hours a day, in, mostly in silence. Um, they go to church eight times a day, and yet they're running these fabulously successful egg business, mushroom business, timber business. Um, you know, they run a gift shop. They run a, they have a fertilizer business. I said, how, you know, I just posed that question to myself. How are these guys managing to run these multi-million dollar operations with frictionless efficiency uh, that most corporate executives would be envious of? And they do it part-time and in silence. So that was the, that was the, inspiration for my beginning to write about it. So you say in the beginning of the book it's what you call an economic miracle. So what is miraculous about what they're doing? I think I just kind of outlined what I think is, is, is pretty miraculous about what they're doing. Um, because, you know, they, they, they create mostly commodity products, things like mushrooms and eggs or beer or jelly or cheese or fruitcakes. Their um, demand always constantly outstrips supply. Um, they, 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 as I said, they only work uh, part time, um, and they bring out products of only the highest quality. The brand that they have established all over the world, that the word Trappist, when it's associated with any kind of product, immediately means the best of the best. You know, the beer that they make over in uh, Belgium is considered by many to be the best beer in the world. People line up outside their gates and cars for miles to get the two-case limit that they're only allowed to have. So to me, this is you know, kind of pretty miraculous. So in the case of the South Carolina, the Mepkin Abbey, uh, what is it? I mean, eggs, as you say, these are pretty much commodities. What, what can they add to an egg that makes it different? People want it compared to all the eggs they could get in the local supermarket. Well, to me, that is one of the, the, the key things. You know, it's, it's, it's the fact that they have this high sense of purpose buying eggs from the monks down there is a way for people to feel like they are participating in something much larger than themselves something that transcends products transcends eggs transcends business even and i think that that's why people go way out of their way to buy their products and they have such an incredibly loyal distribution network uh, such incredibly loyal customers so, yeah, when you look at uh, something like eggs, for example, it's very, very hard to say the quality is specifically in the quality of the eggs, although I worked with their egg business and I saw how, how good they were at, at rejecting poor eggs, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think it's that. I think it's the fact of being part of something, uh, feeling at least tangentially part of something meaningful and big and pure and, and, and worth doing. And I think that's the secret that we need to bring to our, 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 our secular organizations. So how can a company that's making a more, well, a prosaic product instill that same kind of specialness to it uh, if they're not you know, being run by monks and have this kind of special way of making things? Well, in Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, I actually, there's, there's two stories that run together. One is, of course, the story of the monks, which is the primary story. But it's also the story of how we began our own business. And as I mentioned it there, we sat down one day, me and three other friends of mine, and my, one of my partners said, uh, um, we didn't have a business plan. He said, but we're smart guys. We'll figure out something to do. And while, while we didn't have a specific business plan, we didn't know what we were going to do, we certainly knew who we were going to be. And the, our beginning, the first thing we did in our business was kind of like Orson Welles does in Citizen Kane when he buys that newspaper, we sat down and wrote the principles and values that our company was going to be built on. And um, the strategy or the uh, business model that I described that the monks are built on is a, is a model of service and selflessness. And we started with that same kind of strategy in our own business, and we were able to attract 
uh, people and 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 there was some something magical about what the way we built our company based on those principles. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is August Turak. Uh, he is an author and a corporate executive. His latest book is called Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks: One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is August Turak. He's a successful entrepreneur and executive and author of the new book, Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. Welcome back to the show, August. Thank you. There were various uh, kind of points that you learned from being with the Trappist monks uh, that apply to business, uh, and I'm going to go through some of those. The first one, you say, is to have a sense of mission. How do they create a sense of mission, and how can that help other businesses be successful? Well, there's actually, uh, I consider the monks to be a, what I call a transformational organization, and my definition of that is that, first of all, a transformational organization has to have a, a high overarching mission worthy of being served. If you want to tap in, if we want to tap into people's motivation, a central thesis of my book and the Trappist is that we may seem like we want selfishness, but what we're really trying to do is find something worthy of serving. We're actually happiest when we're sacrificed in serving not when we're being self-indulgent. As a matter of fact, depression usually comes out of people that are too self-indulgent. So first and foremost, you have to have a mission that's worth being served. Uh, in the case of the monks, it's to serve God and serve their fellow man. It's that simple. I use the example for, of other transformational organizations. The Marine Corps is a transformational organization. Their, their, their mission is to serve the country, to serve the Corps, the Marine Corps, and serve their fellow Marines. So the, so, and, there, and I cite a number of different organizations, and I use, even use a company called Truliant Federal Credit Union, uh, which is super successful, and their, their whole um, is to uh, help, their, help their customers uh, have financial independence. So, uh, so the first and foremost is, an, is it has to also be authentic. And you, as you probably know, the... Everybody in there is talking about authenticity, authentic brands, authentic products, authentic um, leadership, authentic businesses. And the problem with most missions in, cor in corporate America is that they mostly just pay lip service to those things. The mission statement doesn't really mean anything. Most people don't even know what it is in the organization. The difference with the monks is it's an authentic mission. They really, really believe it, and more importantly, they live it. So that's the first, um, first thing. 
So if you do that, if you have a mission, you not only have a mission statement, but how do you kind of get it through the organization so that it really does mean something to people? Well, it starts with the, with the people who put the mission together. Um, there's, no, there's no simple formula. It's called sincerity. You know, you have to really believe it and really drive it home. For example, when I went to True Lion Federal Credit Unions, uh, they had a board meeting. They had all their top executives there, and they had all the new board meeting uh, members that were coming in. And I was the, uh, there to be a, a speaker, but I, they asked me to sit in. The entire first day, I mean like eight hours, was spent on the mission of the organization and how we're implementing it and how are we telling people, how are we communicating this. It's not a question of having something that's too lofty and abstract. The Marines are able to infuse their mission into push-ups because they really believe in it. And, they, and so everybody is, it's got to trickle down into every single decision-making decision within the organization. And you, you say and, the mission uh, is... There's is, no is, magic about that. It's called being sincere and following up on it. You're saying the mission cannot just be to make money, though. It's got to be higher than just making it's money. It's got to be bigger than making money. I mean, Lou Mobley, the founder of the IBM Executive School, who I mentioned was my mentor, used to say the goal of an organization is not to make a profit. Profit is a yardstick that measures how well we're achieving the mission. So it has to be much higher. And um, my basic thesis, which the monks taught me, is it's in our own self-interest to forget our self-interest. The more we successfully forget our self-interest and serve other people and serve a higher purpose, the more successful we, can, we become. And as an old salesman, I use the example that every great salesman knows that the more he forgets about himself, his product, his quota, um, and his commissions, and focuses fanatically on helping his customer, everything else takes care of itself. He makes more commissions. Yeah, Every great leader knows that the more he focuses on making other people successful, the more successful he becomes. And, of course, when entire corporations are focused on delighting customers, then, every, then the profits and everything else takes care of itself. So profits, money, and that applies to our personal lives. Money, financial success, personal success, all those things are byproducts, they're trailing indicators of living the right kind of life. The second uh, t point you talk about is instilling a culture of accountability. Um, so how do the Trappist monks do that, and, and how does one do that in your own business? Well, the Trappist monks do it through, a, uh, through what's called the Rule of St. Benedict. So for 1,500 years, they've been working within the context of this Rule of St. Benedict. So there is a um, collective culture there of accountability. Um, and the same, you see the same thing in a really well-run sales force, or especially that I like to talk about the Marine Corps. What is the truth, the biggest motivating factor that, that provides so much accountability in the Marines? It's, the, it's a desire to not let down your buddies, to not let down the team. And in the, in the monastic setting, the community is so critically important, and people feel so driven by the overall serving the mission that it subsumes, uh, to an extent, it subsumes their own egotistical drives, and community becomes very, very important. And it's so the community and the beneficial peer pressure of that community that does most of the keeping of the accountability in place. So this must be hard for people who are in companies that the companies don't seem to care about them. They're getting laid off all the time or moving from one job to another. People don't want to kind of give up themselves and be fully accountable if the company isn't going to be accountable to them. So how do you get around that? Well, the first and foremost is that, um, you know, hopefully if some of these people who are running these poorly managed companies um, that don't have the, the values in place are going to read my book and maybe they'll do something about it. Um, so that's one of the hopes and goals of writing the book in the first place. But I think that the, the, one of the things that, that we all want to default to is, and it's sometimes it's much, more, it's much smaller than, the, than, 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 the, than blaming the company, a lot of times when I'm giving seminars or I'm giving lectures about this stuff, people are very, very excited about what I have to say. But when the questions come in, it's always, if I could, oh, yeah, that, this is a great idea. How can I get my boss to, to believe in service and selflessness? How can I get that guy in the next cubicle next to me to believe in service and selflessness? The presumption is um, that 
we we're all we're all we're all fine. We're all doing it the right way. And if we could just get somebody else to change, I really believe that 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 you know one of the cool things about the monks is they've been modeling this for fifteen hundred years, patiently modeling it, and other people are free to come in and, and witness it and see it. To me, the the, the way to change. Um, is bottom up by changing ourselves first and then looking for the little community that's around us could be a department could be a project and start demonstrating it and working with it and my experience in my own professional career is that you become a seed crystal as people see it taking off and it working they come around and they say how can i join in Mm-hmm. So sitting back and thinking, well, what's President Obama going to do about this is not the answer. The next principle you talk about is keeping promises. Um, so, again, how do the Trappist monks keep their promises, and how can that be instilled in businesses to be more well, successful? Well, my, my major point is that uh, sooner or later, every leader realizes that the vast majority of people he needs to be successful do not report to him. I don't care how far up in an organization you go. Even the CEO of a company, he's relying on stockholders. They don't report to him. He's relying on vendors who don't report to him. He's relying on government regulators. He's relying on Wall Street. He's relying on the board of directors. He's relying on so many people that do not report to him. So being effective in your personal life as well as in your business life requires persuasion, being able to persuade people. And being the greatest way to persuade people is to be trust is for people to trust you. So it starts with with being able to establish a part of your brand, and we all have personal brands, just like the Trappists have uh, their own brand as Trappists. And um, the, the the monks just quite simply do what they say they're going to do. If they tell you that you're going to get high quality eggs, you're going to get quite high quality eggs. If you they tell you it's going to be there at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. It's there at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. And so the, the best way for you to create this trust is to keep your promises. Do you think a lot of small businesses do not keep their promises today and they could do a lot better in that area? Oh, my God. I think that's one of the great um, places to just, you know, uh, Lou Mobley said that the, our entire economic system relies on promise and fulfillment. He said, if you look at the profit and loss statement on an annual report, there is no cash on a P&L. It's accounts receivable and accounts payable. Accounts receivable are promises that other people have made to us to pay us at some future date. Accounts payable are our promises to pay someone else at some future date. Our entire, our, all of our contracting and all that stuff, everything is built on promise and fulfillment. And um, the, the most reliable people, the people that we're all looking for, the most sought-after of all human beings, are people that keep their commitments. I don't care whether it's marriage or whatever. So, uh, so if you want to build your personal brand, and by, in, in the long run, the most important thing you have individually is your reputation and your personal brand. The best thing you can do is working on beco- work on yourself and become the kind of person that keeps their promises especially promises you make to yourself. The fourth principle you talk about is community. And so how do the Trappists build a sense of community, and again, how can businesses uh, do the same kind of thing? Well, first of all, um, the the community is everything to the monks. So it's part part and parcel of their their fundamental core values uh, to live in community um, to serve God and serve other people by means of working, working in community. So it's fundamental to the rule of St. Benedict. There's a tremendous number of, of, um, of lessons in the rule itself that are, that are uh, talk about how you live in community with each other. And so it's a tremendously um, something that's mutually reinforcing all the time. And as I said, when, it talks about, when you talk about individuality, the individual performance of people, the motivation of individuals, I found this out in sales. There is nothing more powerful than peer pressure. The right kind of peer pressure is a far greater incentive than any kind of monetary rewards or recognition or the other things that we use. Now, to me, what the, um, what the monks call community, in business we're constantly calling culture. 
and it means having an authentic culture, an authentic community, which brings us right back to the discussion we had previously about uh, an authentic mission. Um, an, authentic, uh, an authentic culture is a culture that's built on, on the right kinds of principles, um, like serving your customers, like putting our customers first. Um, and, and backing that up with, a, with, the, with the kind of actions that reinforce that every day. I mean, all too often we're, we're like, uh, in business, we're like parents who are telling our, uh, telling our children, don't do as I do, do as I say. And so, it, you know, obviously when you're talking about a community of people in a corporation, uh, they're a lot smarter than kids even, and they realize that if we're not living what we're saying, they start to ignore it too. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is August Turek. Uh, he's just done a book called Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. We'll be back after this. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is August Turak, uh, the author of a new book called Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authority. Welcome back to the show, August. Glad to be with you. One of the things that the monks talk about is what motivates and drives people and how they can kind of tap that to make the business do well. What are some of the things you learned in that area? Well, to me, in a lot of ways, that's the most important feature at all. Um, you know, I was um, working with, I was doing some consulting work actually for the, a rapidly growing mid-sized company, and I asked him one day, I said to the CEO, I said, what's your job description? And he laughed and said, well, if you follow me around, you'd probably think I do a lot of things. But I only have one job. I build passion. He said, people think talent is in short supply. Talent is not in short supply. Passion is in short supply. He said, every day we see people, ordinary people, doing incredible, um, magical stuff when they're really committed to it. He said, um, once I get passion in place, my job becomes making sure that people take enough vacation and stay in the hell out of the way. And to me, the monks have tapped into a, a, a whole new, or old to them, new to us, model of human motivation. And to me, I call that the urge to transformation, that all motivation can be described in terms of transformation. An acorn longs to be transformed into an oak. Life goes to death and, back, and transforms back to life again. So all human beings are longing to be transformed. But there's three kinds of transformation. When a thirsty man drinks, he transforms his condition. When a poor man hits the lottery, he transforms his circumstances. And when Mr. Scrooge wakes up on Christmas morning, an utterly new man, 
he has experienced a transformation of being. And my point is that what the monks are offering people, what transformational organizations like the Marine Corps, like Alcoholics Anonymous, like True Lion Federal Credit Union, like Lewis Mobley's um, 12-week um, IBM Executive School, what all these transformational organizations are offering people is not just a transformation of condition, which would be giving them Coca-Colas in a break room, free Cokes. They're not just offering them a transformation of circumstances by giving them stock options. All of these are good. I'm not against them. But what they're also offering people is a transformation of being to actually be transformed. Think of it this way. You do not become a Marine by signing your enlistment papers. You become a recruit that way. And then you are gradually transformed into a Marine through boot camp. The, when you sign up for the monastery, you're not a monk necessarily. You're a, you're a postulant, and then you're a novice. And you go through this process they call formation until you come out the other end a, um, um, a monk. Again, just one more example, AA. You don't become sober because you go to your first meeting. You go through the 12-step program, and you're transformed from an alcoholic into a recovering alcoholic. These are all examples of a transformation of being. And when people feel an opportunity for this transformation of being, they respond with tremendous motivation. There is no more motivated people in the world than the, than the and I have to, disclaimer, I'm not, I don't drink, but there's no more motivated, passionate people I've ever met than AA people. Yeah. And they don't want recognition, they want anonymity. They organize their own, they're a bottom-up organization, all volunteers, no bosses, nobody gets paid, and they are unbelievably driven because they sense this opportunity for transformation. And when I simplify in the book, every time this transformation takes place, it is a transformation from selfishness to selflessness. You also say that commitment is an important part of what the Trappist monks do, and a lot of small businesses is not really fully committed to what they're doing. How can be, people become more committed to make it be successful? Well, um, yes, commitment is absolutely critical. Well, the first thing that you have to do is realize that commitment is a process. To ask, to, you, know, you know, is a person, um, is a married couple more committed to each other the day they give their marriage vows or after they've survived it? Um, and prospered through a 20-year marriage of up and down. Obviously, that 20-year process, they are more committed. You go through a process of committing more and more and more. You continually commit until one day you discover, usually in retrospect, you wake up one day and realize, wow, somewhere along the line I went from committing to becoming committed. Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is not a choice, it's a habit. You have to become an excellent person. That's that transformation of being. And it starts by s slowly committing yourself. You sign up for the gym. That's, what, that's one commitment. Then you start going twice a week. Then you start going three times a week. Then you start going five times a week or whatever. And then after two or three years, you can't imagine anymore what it would be like to skip the gym anymore. You've become committed to it. And you do the same thing with your professional career and your business career. Okay. Now, the next area is self-knowledge. Uh, you're saying that people really have to understand themselves and apply that to their business. How do the Trappist monks do that? Well, Louis Mobley, again, to bring him in, and the monks do a really good job of this, is um, he said the most, the most critical job that any business has to do is continually ask the question, what is the business of the business? I mean, the classic example of that is my father worked for the Pennsylvania Railroad. And he said to me one day, he said, you know, the big mistake we made was that we thought we were in the railroad business. So when the trucks came and the airplanes came, we ignored them because what does that have to do with railroading? He said what we should have thought was we are in the transportation business. And when we were flush with cash, we would have bought up the airlines. We would have bought up the trucks. So the most important Thing, and especially today, where the rate of change keeps changing so quickly, 
even average comp- companies, even commodity-based companies, have to continually be reinventing themselves. And that means asking the question, what, business, what is the business of the business? Now, if you think about that for, for a second, that means who am I on a collective basis? That's all that is. Who am I on the collective basis? And um, what do we stand for? So the first thing you have to do in your own personal life is ask yourself, who am I? What do I stand for? What are my principles? And the monks have a tremendous, their, their, their whole tradition is deeply rooted in things like they talk, they talk about self-recollection and things like that, which are asking that question individually as individual monks, who am I? And then they do such a great job at it that when it becomes time to switch their business model, which, by the way, Mepkin Abbey recently did. They transformed themselves from an egg company, egg business, into a mushroom, exotic mushroom business. Um, not only are they able to objectively see, ask, answer that question, what business are we in and should we be, still be in this business, but they're detached enough that they're, be, they're able to say they don't become identified and addicted to the wrong business model. Make sense? It, it does make sense, yes. Uh, the, the next area you say is that uh, anybody can fight, but it's how you uh, kind of get through the fights that makes a difference. How, how do the Trappist monks do it? Well, to, 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 um, that was one of the principles that we started our own company on. When we put that list of principles together, one was accountability, um, another one was anybody can fight. And the fundamental value that we we push there, which I, again is, is very, very critical to the monks, is um, fighting is easy. It can even be fun for a lot of people. Uh, compromise and cooperation is hard. And so, again, when you have this basis on community that we're all in this together and we know what the mission is, and as Ben Franklin said, if we don't uh, hang together, we shall all surely hang separately when you really believe in the mission and you believe in the community of people that are doing it, then you, are, you have this value um, that, hey, we're going to work these things out among ourselves and not default to just very easily um, just fighting among ourselves. In our own company, uh, what we did was we made it very, very clear that if two people or two departments couldn't work out their differences on their own but had to kick it upstairs to me or one of my other partners for resolution, yes, we would step in and help you resolve it, but you're both going to get penalty points. People have to learn how to fight. In the right. So what is the right way to, to do that in, in the case of conflict? Well, the, the, the right way to do it is to take a step back and say, wait a second, what is the mission that we're both trying to accomplish here? What's the big picture? And again, in most companies, that big picture is not very well articulated to people. They, they, we, we don't have this, this sense. I tell a story in, in, in my book where um, I was working one day down there, and I was working next to a guy from New Zealand, a monk who was passing through on his way to a conference. And so we had a break, and I turned to him, and I started talking about how I had just read about New Zealand's economic free market reforms and how much good they were doing in the in a Wall Street Journal and he you know he got really you know testy with me and he said he was just talking about the unemployment and the dislocation and and then I then he was kind of snooty I thought so I got a little bit snooty and I came back and I said hey um, you know I just hired um, in our company we don't have it's hard to find people who want to work I just hired a bunch of college students to just to make phone calls for market research and at double the minimum wage and within days they all quit he said to me, wait, maybe they don't want to uh, make phone calls all day long. And I said, well, maybe I don't want to pack eggs all day long. And suddenly he said to me, what? You, you know, seriously, he just said, wow, you don't want to pack eggs? And I was startled into the truth by the change in his demeanor. And I said, no, I never think about it. I'm just so glad to be able to help out here. And I do whatever Brother John asks me to do, and I'm just happy to do it. And he broke into a big grin, and he said, ah, it's the Trappist way, brother. It's the Trappist way. And the next thing you know, we were hugging. Because in that moment, our mutual commitment to the Trappist mission, that was so much bigger than our narrow political or economic points of view, were transcended. As I mentioned in my book, I said they didn't go away. You don't want them to go away because you need, <clears throat> because you need 
um, healthy arguments and disagreements for creativity's sake. But you need something that transcends them, something bigger, where they come back together again. And in the case that I was talking about, this was our mutual commitment to the overall Trappist mission that transcended our disagreements. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is uh, August Turek. Uh, his book is called Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait, they just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Hi, welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman. Uh, my guest this hour is August Turek. His latest book is called Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. Welcome back to the show, August. Thank you so much. So one of the other areas you talk about is open communication. So how do the Trappist monks communicate if they're not speaking very much, and, and how can people communicate better in their businesses uh, to make their businesses better? Well, um, first of all, again, it goes back to having a, a value, uh, something that, Value, a value that is based on the idea of being open and being uh, and listening, and it goes back again to that emphasis on authenticity. Um, I say that uh, uh, I talk at length in my book about the fact that you know authenticity may be this new business buzzword, but it's nothing new to them. It's as old as uh, it's 1,500 years old for them, and that means being you know they they call each other brother and they call. Um, in a, uh, brothers and sisters, and it's not just lip service. I've been there, going there for 17 years, and when I walk through those gates um, or drive through those gates, I feel like I'm now um, among my brothers, and they treat me that way. So there's a tremendous sense of, um, and, it, and this is happening, I, I, I mentioned a lot in, in my book, that we are, um, you know, the new, um, the new abbot came in, and I said he tried to change, and he did, he changed the walls that used to enclose the monastery with what I call membranes. And membranes are not walls. What they do is share information and energy with the environment, but still filter out um, harmful substances. And so in our, our own lives, all the walls that we used to have are now disappearing and being replaced by membranes. For example, 
Um, we used to have this concept of professionalism. You know, if you look at, if you see a movie from the 40s or the 50s, you know, a man can have a secretary uh, for 20 years, and he's still calling her Miss Jones, and he's still, still saying Mr. Smith. Everything was a clear demarcation for the things that belonged in the workplace and the things that belonged in church and the things that belonged in the home, and never the twain, or the twain shall meet. We don't, that's not the world we live in anymore. Husbands and wives are both working. They're bringing their personal lives to work. They're bringing their work home with them. We're no longer going to church to find meaning and going to business to find money, uh, uh, um, work. We want meaningful work. So all these things are, are meaning that we have to be opening up to communication. So in our own company, and the same thing goes for the monastery, they have a whole discipline down there, which is, which is the old discipline of confession. Um, but in most cases, the guys I've talked to down there, it's not a question of going to see another one of the monks in order to confess your sins. It's, a, it's one of the ways that they have institutionalized for people to talk about their, what's troubling them. And in my company, we made it clear that um, our door was open all the time, and if you were having problems with um, financial matters or, or just needed a shoulder to cry on or, or you needed, had, you're having trouble with your kids, whatever, you could come into my office and I'd listen. So I yeah. think it's very, very important that uh, we realize that these walls between uh, professionalism, even our offices are no longer enclosed with walls. We're all living in a virtual world anymore. Yeah. And then you have a, a whole section on what you call high expectations. So what, what kind of high expectations do the Trappist monks have, and, and how can that translate into business? Well, the, 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 the Trappist monks have the expectation that they're actually going to have a meaningful, um, that they're actually ha- helping to change the world. Um, it kind of reminds me of Steve Jobs when he got John Scully to come to Apple back in the 1980s when Scully was a heir apparent to Pepsi-Cola and and Steve Jobs looked him in the face at a, in a restaurant and said, "Listen, John, are you going to spend the rest of your life peddling sugar water to little kids? You're going to come to Apple and change the world." The monks have this same sense, this same sense of destiny, the same sense. No, they don't think that in their lifetime or in the next two months they're going to bring about world peace. But they have, they do have this uh, that they're part of a tradition, part of something large, that they're actually you know bringing about um, uh, doing something big with their lives. And I think that's critically important. You also say that honesty is important, uh, not to have hidden agendas. Uh, this is something uh, that's very common, that I guess, in a lot of businesses. The no BS policy. Um, is, you know, I never had any problem with um, people wanting a bigger office or more money or anything. I just wanted to level with me about it. Nothing is more insufferable than having somebody come in here and say, hey, you know, this is great for the company and it's great for the mission. And the more you parse the presentation, the more you realize that he wants to revamp the whole sales force in order for him to make more money. So I, this, again, goes back to uh, being open and being, vulner- being willing to show some vulnerability, showing some authenticity, and just level with me. I actually have a funny story along that line because one of my partners, after my <clears throat> company was sold, um, I went on the board of directors of the Israeli company, and one day, one of my partners, Jay Hall, walked into my office. He said, Augie, I'd like to be on the board of directors of the uh, American subsidiary. And I said, why, Jay? I said, uh, it has no power. It's basically just a legal fiction. All the decisions are made in, um, in, in Israel. And he looked me in the eye and he said, ego. <laughs> it, was, you know, it was all said, about his image as opposed to I, reality. He, yeah, he, want, he wanted he wanted to be able to tell his mother, I guess, or something, because he's not a big ego guy. Um, but I, did, I didn't ask him any more than that. I said, fine, Jay. I said, I'll move heaven and earth to get you on the board of directors, and I did. Yeah. But and then, I would really appreciated the fact that he didn't start telling me all the, giving me a big song and dance about how this is going to help him get speak engagements and that would help him get better quality talent for the company. He just looked me in the eye and told me the truth. Yeah. And then your final principle that you've learned from monks is compassion. Um, so does that mean that nobody ever gets fired, or, or how, how does one have compassion in business these days? No. Um, you know, one of the most, this gets back to our whole theory, our whole thing about accountability and having high, um, high bars and high goals. I mean, a lot of people who get into organizations, especially in the nonprofit sector, 
who have, who believe they're doing something for a higher purpose and a higher goal feel like that justifies a lower standard um, than a than a so-called profane secular corporate company. We looked at it completely different. If we really believed in what we were doing, if we really believed we were doing bringing some some value and good to the world, we should have higher goals. And I mentioned in my book that one of the things we did in order to symbolize that is we started work every day at 7.30 from the very beginning of our company and kept that start time through the time we sold our company just to symbolize that we were, we were going we to go above and beyond to accomplish our mission. When I bring that process of compassion in, what I say there is it doesn't mean that we're not going to ever fire anybody because one way in which compassion is not just compassion from the community in, the, in our sense, it would have been the company or the, the monks' community, is goes to individuals. But individuals need to show compassion for the community. And one way that an individual shows compassion for their community is by carrying their own weight. So, but when it came to individuals, our attitude was, we will do everything we possibly can to help you get over the bar. But don't ask us to lower the bar. How can people find out more about this book? Is there a website related to this? or What are some resources to actually find and, and use this book? Well, of course, the, the book itself, uh, Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, is available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com, and you can find out a lot about it there. But probably the, most, the best place is to co- you come to my website, which is or our website, August Turek, that's T as in Tom, U-R-A-K, one word, AugustTurek.com. Um, and we have a, a page there about the book and about places where you can find it and also some of the nice reviews and, um, and endorsements that, the, product, that the, the book has gotten. In about a minute or so we have left, kind of how, why don't you sum up what a difference it would make for businesses if they were running themselves more learning some of the things we've, we've talked about in this hour? Well, the most important thing is, is that a lot of books that may, let's talk about the so-called softer side of business, what I call the qualitative rather than quantitative side of business, um, always try to make kind of a moral argument for their case. In other words, we should be nice to each other, uh, even though it's going to mean taking a hit to growth or it's going to take a hit to, to, to the bottom line. My most important goal is, is this is not something the, um, the monks are not successful despite the fact that they believe in the highest values and live according to, to, to high, the highest quality. They're successful because of it. They're more successful, will be more productive, more successful. And I point to the secular example of Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett speaks every year about the fact that how important he believes his reputation and his ethics and why he gets the Buffett discount when he, tries, when he wants to buy a company. People will sell their company to Warren Buffett for 10% less than somebody else will give them because they trust Warren. They trust that when he, when he buys their company, they're still going to be able to run their company, etc., yeah, so, very good. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been August Turak. His book is called Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. You can find out more about it at his website, augustturak.com. So thanks so much for being on the show. I think we've learned a lot, August. Thank you so much. And we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.